was always a quiet road back in 1991. It's all built up now, all the new housing estates up there, it's all over the place. Back in 1991, Joe Watkins was a Garda sergeant in Fermoy. Greenfields. Oh, this was here. I remember this all greenfields. Farmers owned all this land up here. Just as we go around the corner here now. And now look at it. Look at all the new houses. Huge estate. All built up. Look at that. Look, look at the difference. Now, do you see the, see the house there in the distance? See, yeah. the, see the light there? That's, that's where she lives. I'd, I'd be turning here now. Yeah. Just there. Yeah. There's a Glenabo. Glenabo. Glenabo, yeah. From this house in Glenabow, Billy Fennessy, a 53-year-old man, disappeared. So you're talking about? I said two miles, not far away, I said. Two miles from town. Two miles away, and 14 months later, Connor and Sheila Dwyer disappeared from their home on Chapel Hill. It's quite tonight, isn't it? That's the Catholic Church now, St. Patrick's Church for my. Now, I'm turning in here, okay? Into Chapel Square. And you're now on, look, Chapel Hill. And you see where that white van is? That's where they lived until they went missing in 1991. That's where our investigation started. Chapel Hill for my 1991. That's where it all started, our little house. So I don't know whether they came, went left or right or down the hill or where they went. Connor and Sheila are the car we're never seen again. That was it. Thin air. <laughs> never ends. Just always at the back of your head. The nightmare. A living nightmare. That you have to live with every day. Where is he? What did he do with the car? No answers. Strange what we think of it when we say normal people. There's something definitely abnormal about what happened to them but they were normal people a lot of questions a lot of questions this that and the other thing why did this why that why that why then the other thing how why when what I don't know and that's what keeps you awake at night my wildest dreams never never dreamt of it I dreamt that anyone could disappear Never. It was the last thing I thought of. See, but it is the incessant questions that drag you down, down, down all the time. And you have no answers to them.
It's a very picturesque town. You have the, the River Blackwater, which effectively divides Fermoy in two. Most people know the town because of its very famous stone-cut bridge, Kent Bridge. But the town is dominated a, a hill on the southern side by St. Patrick's Church. And Chapel Hill would be a hill that would lead effectively from the town's main street, um, slightly uphill of the riverbank. And it would lead up this steep hill directly to St. Patrick's Church. And Connor and Sheila Dwyer were living literally less than 50 metres from the, from the church. Sorry to disturb you, gentlemen. We're doing a programme for next Sunday with the Dwyer family about the disappearance. Oh, no. No, no. Sometimes in Fermoy, it's difficult to get people to talk. Oh, I wouldn't know much about that, and I wouldn't believe it, not, I wouldn't be. You don't even remember back then? No, really, no. And you never heard anything about it no. since? No. No. No, no, no. sorry. No, no. Ralph Regal is a journalist and lives in Fermoy. He covered a story back in 1991. Connor was 61 and his wife, I think, was 60 years old. They were officially reported missing on May the 1st, 1991. They had last been seen, uh, I think it was on the April the 30th. They both attended a funeral at St. Patrick's Church in Fermoy, which was actually just round the corner from their home at Chapel Hill. The, their clothes were in their house, their passport was in their house. There was no indications of large withdrawals of money from their accounts. Uh, their bank accounts remain untouched from when the day they disappeared, or the day they're believed to have disappeared, which is April the 30th. Uh, their white Toyota Cressida car, which is a registration number of 5797ZT, um, the Gardaí issued repeated appeals for information on that vehicle. There was a very, very strong likelihood that there would have been some fragment of the car found, there would have been some indication of an accident, there would have been some tangible trace of that white Toyota Cressida, which then in turn would have, would have I think, led Gardaí to say, well, look, this is probably what happened. But that hasn't occurred. No, it's not to say that there haven't been crashes or there haven't been circumstances where gar- cars have possibly gone into rivers or gone into sea lakes or seas and never been found again. But it's highly unlikely because there would be tracks, there would be evidence of an accident, there would be damage to trees or damage to shrubbery or, you know, fishermen possibly would have snagged lines on it. And, and that actually hasn't happened here. There was a very, very detailed guard investigation. I mean, the Guardi, I think, did everything that they possibly could at the time, but they've got nothing. And without information, they don't have an evidence trail to follow. And without an evidence trail to follow, they're basically dealing with a vacuum. It was the second disappearance within the space of about 18 months. If you go back just to the, the March of 1990, um, a man who lived only a couple of miles outside from I, William Fennessy, a 53-year-old, he disappeared without trace. And I think seven years after his disappearance, Mr Fennessy was actually declared dead at a coroner's inquest uh, in Cork. So it was a very different case in ways, but the fact that you would have two disappearances involving three people within such a short space of time in such a tight-knit community. It was very unusual. And in all three, in the case of all three people who disappeared, there hasn't been a single trace of where they are, what happened to them, any trace, and in particularly in the Dwyer's case, which is very unusual, no trace of what actually happened to the vehicle that, that, that disappeared with them. Mystery. Most mysterious. You'd hear of mysterious things happening, you know, that's, that's only a pishog. You know what a pishog is? This is not a pishog. This, this, this is a mystery. Joe Watkins is now retired. Yeah. For two people to go, it's incredible in one town, but for three people to go, it makes it doubly incredible, triply incredible. To me at the time, it, it reminded me of Star Trek and 
Beam me up, Scotty. Something like that. Don't you? How do? How is it done? I don't know. I don't. I do not know. I do not know. If I went to disappear now, just say I went to dis- disappear in the morning, and get into my car in the morning, and drive to the airport and get a flight to England, or after 12 years, something is bound to crop up. Something, something. You're not going to go around like the Scarlet Pimpernel in England. You're bound to have to register something. Or something. There's going to be some feedback from something. In, in, in the era we live in now, isn't there? Technology and computers and traces and what have you. Big brothers watching everything. There's bound to be something, but there was nothing. So <laughs> there lies the, the quandary. I don't know, has, has there been any other case in this country similar to the Connor and Shield of the Wire case, has there? I, not, not to my knowledge, anyway. You know. But of course, people are entitled to go missing, aren't they? It's not a crime, is it? It was a missing persons case at the beginning, but really it, it fell into that category that it, it stopped being so much as a missing persons case as one of these mystery cases that nobody really understood what was involved in it. I think, unfortunately, it, it's, it's probably part of human nature and part of, part of modern society that people don't like mysteries. They don't like unanswered questions. And in a vacuum, it'll always be filled by rumour and innuendo. Some of them had sinister connections in them. Some of them were quite tragic. Some of them were just basically based on whatever conspiracy theory was uh, in flavour at the time. But effectively, I mean, the guards will tell you that they're based on nothing, that there is no tangible evidence, there's no sightings, there has been no information or no hint of a clue since 1990 as regards what happened to these two people. Getting nowhere in Fermoy town, I went up to Chapel Hill, where the Dwyers disappeared all those years ago. Hi, how's it going? Sorry. Um, my name's Kieran Cassidy. I'm a documentary maker with RT Radio. Pardon? I'm a documentary maker with RT Radio. Yeah. Um, and I'm just doing a programme with the Dwyer family about, um, I don't know if you know them, they used to live here back in 1991. Um, yeah, yeah, and they disappeared. I don't know... Did, do you ever hear anything more? Do you remember the case? Oh, I remember it all right at the time, you know. I mean, everyone thought that they'd turn up and that would be that. And then it was rumoured that they were abroad and, you know, all the rumours that goes around. Because so, it was rumoured that they were abroad and that they were had started staying. They were had started abroad, but sure, you know, all those rumours go around. At the time, like, they just said they disappeared, and, but no one, really, no one indulged in that, you know. And that was the end of that, and it kind of died down after that, you know what I mean? Oh, for, for a long, long time, just loads and loads of people were talking about it. I do feel sorry for the sister and the son and the brother, you know, really, and, and the son, of course. But um, it's very sad, like, God... An accident is bad enough, or something like that, but something like that that you can put behind you must be very hard to live with, no?
trick so far, so good for the five players behind me, and it could be you sitting here next week. I'm going to draw on next week's players. Over here. I go to half seven mass in St. Patrick's Church in Fermoy every Saturday night. Every Saturday night, I'm home from mass, a beeline, I turn the car, have it ready, and come straight over the road and home for winning streak every Saturday night. Noreen Fennessy still lives in the house her husband disappeared from. And number 31 is from Kulak. So if you're out there in Kulak watching in, it's David Walsh from Kulak of Dublin 17. Well done, David. Noreen and William Fennessy were 30 years married when William disappeared. Next one out is number 78, and number 78 And I came is, home uh, and sat down, uh, and next thing was, on comes winning streak, and I was looking at Derek Mooney. The fourth player to appear on winning streak next week is... From I could actually Florida. show you where he picked the ticket up. I was sitting in front of the fire watching him. It looks like from Drogheda in Candy Louth, number 28. And I heard him calling out, this is for Moy. This is ticket is from Fermoy. And 48 is from Fermoy in Candy Cork. And it is, looks like mm, Helen Fennessy, would it be? It, Noreen Fennessy, excuse me, from Fermoy and County Cork. Well done, Noreen. I feel it was the last day of March 1990. Where did he go? What did he do with the car? I don't know. Did he plan it? Did he just take off? Nobody knows. I cannot, I haven't answers. Where someone could go into thin air? I don't know. I came down to the house and found it empty. And uh, I found uh, the bowl of the Blessed Virgin up on the table and the door wide open. And I investigated and reported it at that stage. That was the last days of March, 1990. He was five foot ten. He was Cork County Labour, Cork County Councillor. He was a very well-known and popular man here in the town, one of the most popular men in the town at that stage. And we reared our children here. And he was last seen at the other side of town on, a, say, the 30th of, no, of March, 1990. And I feel he disappeared on the 31st of March, 1990. Uh, he left in a Daihatsu charade car, and himself and the car were never found since nor seen. And despite all the searches that the guards made he, everywhere, they searched woods and... We all searched everywhere. There was no no trace, no nothing. He was supposed to be sighted at the grotto in Glenmire. We don't know how true that is. He was wearing a navy suit with a green jacket over it. Well, three daughters were in America at that stage. And uh, my son was working for his uncle, Michael Finnessy, down in Connor in Ahern. And the other son was around here at home in Fomai. They were all wondering what was happening or what was going on. Never. Never dreamt of it. I dreamt that anyone could disappear. I was constantly going to the guards every Friday evening. 
Every Friday evening I went to the guards. I kept in contact regular, so I knew what was going on. Nothing happening. They were searching and there was nothing happening. I had to be told to stop. Kieran McGann told me I, that I'd get a mental breakdown from it. I was every Friday evening. Regular, I'd go down to the guards. I got a death cert in 1990, 97, December 97, I think. I got that. At this stage, we don't talk about it because we, we have no nothing to talk about. We have no, no answers, no nothing. Of course, we'd love to know what happened. Where is he? But I feel sure at this stage we won't know. It never ends. Just always at the back of your head. Where is he? What did he do with the car? No answers. Well, next door here now would no longer would be here longer than me. You know what I mean? If there's anyone in next door. Call in next door, you say it's probably the best place. Yeah, but the pillars are there now a lot. Sometimes they're under. Hi, sorry. Um, I was just chatting to your neighbours there. Um, I'm doing a programme from RT Radio 1. It's about the disappearance of one of your neighbours in 1991. The Dwyers? The Dwyers, yeah. Um, and I don't know, do you remember the case? There's always rumours about Connor and his wife. His brother's still alive, you know, Michael. Come in. You better come in all together, because, you know, I could be with you here all day talking about Connor. Uh, sit down there. This man here... Send about to old Wiles. We've heard rumours that he has been found, that he has been uh, cited, but... Uh, Sit down there. Yeah, yeah. but we're not... Um, I mean, it is only here, sir. That's We've right. never seen them. But he was a terrible nice man. He really was. Yeah. I, kn- I know people... Uh, he, were, he had a, a way about him, hadn't he? He kind of... He was, you know... Innocent kind of a man. He wouldn't be wouldn't a devious kind of person. No, but in I a certain, in in certain sense. sense. No, you know what I mean? He was a d- an open man. You know, he, do you remember when he was doing the um, the pipe things now? That's and fine. you were involved. And you were involved in central heating at the time? Do you remember he came in here and he said if you ever wanted That's anything in the line That's of the right. pipes or whatever, right. he would get the stuff for him. He would help me out. Yeah, that's the kind of person he was now. Yeah. He was a very generous person. And I go so fast to say, if I, uh, if I did uh, say I would do it, and I had no money, he would make it. It wouldn't, it wouldn't make him, the issue. Because, you because know, he, he would it. just give it to you no more about it. Yeah, and he'd say, you, well, no, that's the kind of person he was. Yeah. A very generous person. Yeah, yeah. 
wasn't he, Patsy? He really was. We grew up there. Children yeah. grew up beside that family. All and as for Sheila, she was a quiet person. Mm-hmm. You know, she just said good morning to you, hello. That's all That's basically. Right. She was always very glamorous. Mm, and very nice person. Very clean and her beautiful mm. hair and always dressed very nicely. And they'd go off downtown in the car, the two of them there, and they looked ever so good. She used to wave mm. like the Queen. When I say that now, I mean they were at that age where the children were kind of growing up and we were only just starting off kind of thing. And we always kind of... I won't say envious of them now in that sense, but like we were hoping we would have reached that stage at some stage, that we'd be sitting in the car too and could kind of go off mm. and, you know, have no worries in that line, you know. There was one incident I remember about Connor. Remember the Connor when the kids were knocking at the doors? Oh, yes. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, typical yes, of the men now. Yeah, yeah. They were not, kids were running away after knocking at the doors, you see? Mm. And this was going on for weeks, wasn't it, Pat? That's right. And um, I remember uh, this night, in a way, he stayed around the corner above, you see? And the kids were knocking at the door and he ran after them. And I think there were, uh, there was a, a few bits going on, clatters, yeah, wasn't yeah. there? Yeah, but sure, that was... Which was all in good, uh, yeah. you know what I mean? There was, he was, he was, that's the kind of man he was. Yeah. Like, you know, who else would do that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember sister, yeah. the woman next door now, Mrs Fenton. Mrs Fenton, yeah. She had a daughter in the nuns, Catherine. Yeah. Catherine, sister Eucaria from the Presentation Convent. And she maintains that she was the last person to see the two of them. Because she was coming down the hill or she met him at the steps of the church or something like that. And they just said hello to her. And she's, after, in hindsight, looking back, she says that she always felt that she was going to say something to her. Mm. But that just passed on. Mm. And she thinks she must have been the last person that had ever saw them. But you could... Here, different. St- I guarantee you, if I went down the street this minute and met somebody, they would tell me a different story again. Um, There's so many rumours going around. He was this, he was a, with a drug baron, he was with this person. You, you know, you hear so many things yeah. and you, you know. Don't bend Lumpkin, don't bend Lady, yeah. if we any Irish, like, yeah. you know, we only heard it down the, yeah, the, the line, like, yeah, you yeah. know. There was rumours then going around that this man, whatever his name was, was a drug baron, wasn't there? Mm-hmm. There was a rumour going around. Well, then. that came out in a magazine that was seen somewhere over, would you believe it, in Tenerife or someone. Somebody opened this magazine one day and they saw that it was written that he was supposed, they were looking for this drug baron and that uh, Conor O'Dwyer had from Ireland had been working for him or something like that. Yeah. Did you see that yourself? I didn't know, but I was see? taught it. Mm. There we are. Here we go again. Yeah, and I didn't see it either. And you know what I mean? There's so many rumours going around. All I can tell the person is, is what I know. And he was a very nice person. And I know he had a sight in the bottom of the hill. And she was extremely nice. I'll tell you of strange incidents now that mm. happened. And maybe it's just because, you know, it was in everybody's mind over a period of time while things were going on. So up at the hairdressers one day, which is actually right beside the traffic lights. And I'm looking in the mirror, beautiful sun or day, mm. and this car stopped at the traffic lights. And I turned to my hairdresser and I said, Oh, do you see who I see? 
she said, Conrad Dwyer and his wife. And I mean, they were gone, just like that. Now, I couldn't say they were them, but maybe it's just because it was, you know, in our minds. But it was a good bit now after they had gone that time. And it looked so like them, you know, because she used to have her hair, lovely red hair that was just to be tied mm. up. And, like, he was always in his tweeds or whatever, you know, that he'd be in and all that. But it just struck our minds that, gosh, they look very like. Mm. I, I don't know. It might never have been them like, but, as I said, you know, things are fresh in your mind. And you say things, you know, that just come into your mind. As I said, well, look at you. There's so many rumours going around. As I said, well, ago, the last rumour I heard, I heard, this is a rumour, that there was a man, he walks above in Cork. He's, he was supposed to have, have seen them in the Isle of Man. What, what I find about the whole thing is, I know what, what he was doing, right? But there, it's the rumours you hear that he was working with a drug ban, that he was, you know, he went away and it wasn't his first time. He, he'd been seen here and he'd been seen there. You know, and I'm saying to myself, the man, him speaking, uh, uh, you know, to be in places where he's supposed to be, and next, next day he's in somewhere else, you're wondering, how the place is he getting around? I never believe half the things I hear. I know. You know, I don't, because to me, they're, they're ludicrous. Yeah, when should people yeah. learn it? You know, things kind of get out of control, I think, and people begin to put their... Somebody hears something, then they add another bit, which is, you know, the usual story. So, really, we don't know anything. We no, really it was a know. nice person. That's what I know. Yeah, yeah. They're two more uh, nice people. Nice people. In fact, you know... She'd always wave to you like that. And there was kind of, they used to say around town, like, you know, they were almost like royalty, you know. Mm. I mean, they had big posh car and he would be yeah. driving it and she was always no, so beautifully, you know. Quite and they knows. said she had the wave of the Queen. She used to wave mm. like the Queen. <laughs> Remember? Yeah, of course. Okay. Look, okay. Okay. Bye-bye. 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 Take care. Bye-bye. It's coming down the rain, isn't it? Connor Dwyer lives in a town in the English Shires. Right. On the right side of the house, they say. The town has a cricket club, a rowing club, tea rooms, and very English weather. But we've had it over the last few weeks, you know. One minute, splitting the heavens, beautiful sunshine, the next thing, whoosh! Connor left for Moy in 1988. Oh, my father was hilarious. He used to frighten the life out of me. I remember on occasion, many, many, many years ago, I was about four years of age, and it was when I was at the Presentation Convent, and my first teacher was a Sister Carmel. And for some reason, I think it was a Friday or Saturday morning, about 8.30, <laughs> and I came downstairs without my trousers and I was at four years of age I had no trousers on like that and my father was going out the front door and as he opened the front door he said oh good morning Sister Carmel and I legged it <laughs> thinking the nun was standing outside the door looking at me with great screeches going back upstairs and I could still hear my father splitting a gut laughing at the front door he just couldn't stop he was bent in two and my mother going you're a horrible man don't do that to the child <laughs> oh yeah Yes, he was good fun at that. Good fun. Yes. Uh, oh, yes, there was an occasion when we made a boxcar. Yeah, not a trolley. 
old pram wheels and that sort of thing. We decided to test it out. We didn't want to test it out in town because, you know, we didn't have enough run. So we tied it onto the back of the car and drove down the road. <laughs> it promptly fell over and I cracked my jaw off the ground and there was blood all over my face and we got it back into the garage, this, that and the other thing. He said, your mother's going to kill me. I said, yeah. He said, put another plaster on it. We had about five or six sticking plasters on it. He said, I said, there's only one thing to do. He said, well, I said, tell her I fell down the stairs. <laughs> good idea, good idea, we'll tell you. Fell down the stairs. We actually got away with it. She never knew. <laughs> yeah, bless his heart. Mum was also good fun. If I was going out for the evening, that sort of thing, you know, she'd say, you know. Dad would turn around and say, well, you know, here's a few quid. You've got money. Yeah, I'm all right, kid. Go on, have another I'd go into the kitchen and say, did he give you money? Yeah, how much did he give you? X, tenner, something like that. That'd be enough. Yes, mum, don't worry. Look, I've got £25 tonight. £25 back. Said, it's not a lot of money. Shh, say nothing. The next thing, the purse would open. There'd be enough, just in case. <laughs> she, don't tell him. Don't tell him. And the other one, she was great. She turned around and she'd say, have you got enough cigarettes for tonight? I don't smoke. Don't be silly. I know you smoke. and smell out of your clothes. She'd sneak me a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> Watching my father used to give me cigarettes every now and then. Don't tell your mother. Yeah, I'd say. <laughs> Keeps the midges away when you're fly fishing. It's the best excuse I have. So it was very happy. We'd, I'd, very happy, very fun childhood. Good neighbours. Good friends. Well respected. Normal people. Yeah. Strange what we think of it when we say normal people. There's something definitely abnormal about what happened to them. But they were normal people. I didn't know anybody who disliked them. I can't see them having any enemies. I can't see any rhyme or reason to the entire situation. Um, they were local, friendly, respected people. There's a lot of questions and a lot of a lot of, of unanswered questions that nobody seems to know the answers to. A lot of questions, a lot of questions, this, that and the other thing. And unfortunately the only answers that I have, the only answer I have is I don't know. And I question myself on that sometimes going, you know, why did this, why that, why that, why that, the other thing, how, why, when, what, I don't know. And that's what keeps you awake at night. That's a fact of the matter. Like, I'm sure, bless our heart, Mrs. Fennessy has thought the same thing. I... They rattle around in my brain all the time. I'm sure there are many other families around Ireland who are missing members of family. That the same thing rattles around in their brains. Why? How? What? Where? The reasons behind which none of us have answers to. And that's the crux of the matter. Do you think about that last day, though? And, you know, there was a kind of an incline where the house was and they pulled off and... No. I'm often wondering about what the hell was going through their minds. What happened? It's 
very, very bizarre. Inexplicable. Mm. There is no answers. The nightmare. A living nightmare. That you have to live with every day. Because this is the shadow that is haunting us. It's right there all the time. And it's the incessant questions and it's that drag you down, down, down all the time. When you have no answers to them. It's an horrific thing for any parent to go through losing a child or something. I don't, God forbid it should ever happen to anybody. But when both one's parents go missing and there's no clues, there's no idea, there's nothing, it's just this void of information. There's, you feel so helpless. You can't do anything about it. I really wish I did know something. I'd like to know whether they're with, still with us or if they shed this mortal coil. Yeah. I think they're alive. Yeah. I feel it in here in my heart, hearts that they're still alive. I hope it's not just wishful thinking, but I think personally they're still alive someplace. I'd really like to know what happened. Because it's a very vacant, empty sensation. Just as well, tell me about the feeling of that they're, that they're alive. Oh! I don't know. I don't know if it's a sensation or a feeling. It's just... Um, I... I can't describe it. I suppose it's not like a sixth sense or something, but I just get the feeling that they're alive someplace. Um, I'm no sage or anything like that, but I just... I don't know. Maybe it's just wish, well, well, pardon me, wishful thinking. But I hope they're alive. As a son, would you feel some sort of sense of rejection if you found out they were alive but they'd not made contact over the 19 years? For the last 17 years, well, rejection, yes, definitely. Why, I don't know. They would reject me. And their sisters, well, my, you know, my, my mother's sisters, one who's passed away now, and her brother. Um... If it was my fault, fine, I'd put my hands up and say, boom, but why my aunt, my uncle? Um, plus the fact that I actually saw them, I spoke to them, should I say, on St. Patrick's Day of the year they disappeared, you know, wish them Happy Patty's Day. Would you be angry with them? I don't know. <laughs> I honestly don't know what I'd be. To be brutally honest, I don't know what I'd say. Uh, no, I don't think I'd be angry with them. I don't. No, I couldn't be angry with them, no. I, I couldn't be angry with them. Um, but if they wanted to just carry on walking, I suppose I'd have to respect their privacy. But I hope they wouldn't. I hope they'd want to embrace me as I would like to embrace them. No, I haven't accepted it. Um, but I have to live with it. Simple as that. Your life has to go on. I have to live with it. And I hope every day that I can find them again. Or somebody will find them. Or they'll walk into my life. But it's not a fact of acceptance. It's a fact of living with it. Which is very difficult. But even to this day, you know. There's the hope that they'll walk in a door. They'll walk around the corner. I'll bump into them. Don't ask me what I'd say to them because I don't know myself.
In Fermoy, the residents of Chapel Hill have changed. Fewer and fewer remember the disappeared. Like myself now, I, I think of them, or people that would be close to them, but not many people forget. You know, I mean, I guarantee you, if you walk into Fermoy at the moment and ask anybody, so who thinks of them? It's only the people that were there at the time, and you know, you can think of them. Hey, how's it going? Um, my name's Kieran Cassidy. I'm with RT Radio One. Not, not here long enough. Not here long enough. Look, thank you anyway. Okay. All right. Not at all. There's only three families in the hill now that would know them. There's John Murphy, Bridget next door, and ourselves. There's no one else would have remembered them. They're all gone. They're all strangers no. now. Totally strange. The couple that lived opposite them with the Duans, and they're gone. They're dead. Yeah. And uh, so there is. Yes. Yes. No, and I in could... along the lane where they're now, you have I that. Yes. No, there, are, no. there are different families there now. Families, so they yeah. wouldn't know them at all. They wouldn't have remembered them at all. Were you living here in 1991? Sorry, I have not to speak English. Not too good speaking English, sorry. <laughs> no problem, Doc. Thank you very much. Alright. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Yeah, you just moved in recently. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So, and so was that? Um, it was just a, uh, there was a couple on this road who disappeared back in 1991. Really? Yeah. Oh, jeez. Um, just down at number five, they just drove their car and they disappeared and were never seen again. Really? Yeah. Oh, jeez, huh? The next thing was I saw my name coming up on the television, Noreen Fennessy. I was absolutely delighted. This Saturday, as usual, Noreen Fennessy will watch Winning Streak alone. Next week, so the very best of luck to anybody who sent in a scratch card, because this time it just might be you. In England, for Conor Dwyer, life moves on. If they just put away in some cold case file in the Gardaíshire Conor vaults. Um, that's the, would be the worst scenario. I want closure on it, to know whether they're alive, whether they're dead. But I'd just like to know what happened.